Hey everyone, welcome back to the Health Focus Podcast. My name is Robbie Bennett, and on today's episode, I'll be interviewing Jans Footed. So Jans is a strength and conditioning coach and also the owner of Five Rings Barbell, which is in Atlanta, Georgia. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about some of Jans's training methodologies, uh, understanding uh, the Olympic lifts and translating them to general pop clients, how to train efficiently, effectively, safely, and just much, much more. So highly recommend grabbing a pen and paper, take notes throughout. But um, on that note, let's get into the podcast. So Jens, thanks for coming on to the podcast. Much appreciated. I'm looking forward to it. So um, we met briefly, I think we first met, it may have been Swiss 2015, 2016, I think we first met, and it was true, Eric, I think we first not, met If not, it was probably at a polyclin course. Yeah. So um, I think when we first met, I, I definitely seen you at Swiss one of the times, but I remember thinking, this guy is saying very little. And he's just watching, looking around, observing, taking it all in. And that was one quality that, that um, I found very similar with myself. You know, you got right. two ears, one mouth for a reason. Right. But um, that, that was one quality that I recognized from yourself uh, when we first met. And I thought, hmm, this is interesting. I've got to see what this guy is all about. And um, I think I started following you on social media and stuff like that. And I started seeing some of your training methods that, and you could see some similarities from maybe some of your mentors that you adopted from, you know, maybe Charles, maybe Chinese weightlifters, Chico, uh, Louis. And I was thinking this guy, this guy knows a lot because not only were you um, adopting these methods, but you're modifying them to the people you were seeing as well. Right. So I thought it was very interesting. But for some of the listeners out there that may have not heard of you already, Jans, um, can you give a bit of an um, you know, information about yourself or uh, your, your story, essentially, for any of the listeners? Uh, story, story, story. I guess the story probably started in the Marines. My last few years in the Marines, um, I started uh, training, training people in my units. I was, a, I guess, a sort of a PT coordinator. Um, really, that's when I also first really got heavily into reading Charles's stuff on T-Nation back then. Uh, okay. So before I was even out of the Marines, I had already booked my PICP level one. Uh, so I got out and three months later, I was taking my PICP level one in New York. Um, and since then, it's just been a nonstop trying to, you know, learning roller coaster, trying to learn as much as I can from everybody. Um, so since 2009, when I got out, uh, 2008, 2009, um, worked in several gyms as a trainer at first. Uh, worked with the university, uh, track and field strength coach, um, taking jobs wherever I could, working with whatever athletes I could, at, you know, along the way, um, eventually leading up into uh, working out of a gym, you know, gyms here and there, personal training, starting to create my, uh, you know, social media presence back then. There was very little, but, you know, even back then posting pictures and information and sharing information. Um, and eventually, like I said, it, it grew into what is now, you know, five rings barbell, yep. um, getting the name from the fact that when I was growing up as a kid, I guess my first 
my first experience into anything strength and conditioning was martial arts. Um, and I grew up on the, um, the old martial arts masters from Japan and China. Uh, Mayamoto Musashi you know, being the author of the, the Book of Five Rings, which is sort of like the Japanese equivalent of the art of war. Um, so the Five Rings Barbell is just sort of an ode to where I really started in uh, strength and conditioning, which was, you know, martial arts. Um, so Five Rings Barbell started about four, four and a half, maybe five years ago. Um, and now I'm in my own brick and mortar location. Been here for three years. Uh, about to double the size of my gym here next month. I'm knocking down the walls and taking over the next space. Brilliant. Um, yeah, that's where I'm at now. And um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I do believe listened to a podcast interview with you before, and you actually mentioned there you worked in commercial gyms, but you also worked in a CrossFit gym before as well. I did. Correct. So I'm looking at all your certs in the background there, and you know for yourself, you're not just looking at one source of information; you're looking at a lot. So you're you're you know you're doing your CrossFit level one, you're doing your PIC level one, you're doing your Boilsig and stuff like that. How was it working in a CrossFit gym where the methodology is very very different to some of the stuff that the PICP would have taught, or some of the stuff that you know you maybe adopted from the West Side and stuff like that? Um, yeah, very different. I think the, I think the one thing that you have that I guess if you're going to be a strength coach, right. And yes. being a strength coach is very, very hard because most of the people, they're going to specialize in something, powerlifting, weightlifting, football. Um, that's just the reality of it, right? Yep. Be good. You have to, you have to specialize, um, and to get a job, a paying job as a, as an actual strength coach is very hard, especially here in America. And I think it's even harder in, uh, in, in Europe. Yeah, um, so most people, you know, whether they want to admit it or not, are actually going to be personal trainers. Okay. Yep. And personal trainers to make a good living, to be, to be anything you need, what your job really comes down to is working with people. Okay. Um, and I think where a lot of people fail is they're very passionate about one, training themselves and the methodologies that they use and that they see success with. And what they end up doing is they try to fit everybody that comes to them into those training methodologies. Okay. And it needs to be yep. the other way around, right? It, you need to understand that you're working with people and there's a psychological dynamic there. Their goal is performance and health. And performance and health comes in a lot of different ways. It's not just West Side. It's not just weightlifting. It's not just CrossFit. Um, I think Robert Sapolsky uh, said it best in the, the best form of exercise is the one that the client finds fun. Yeah. The one they'll so, do. Right. So exactly. The one that they'll do. So when going in CrossFit, you know, a lot of people ask me this, this question and expect me to say that, you know, give a critique on CrossFit and stuff like that. But every, everything has critiques. It yeah. really comes down to the coaching and the athlete. Um, so it was different working with working in CrossFit, but again, I'm grateful for the experience because it opened me up to working with people in a different dynamic. I went and I took several of the CrossFit courses um, and learning how to work with people that wanted to do CrossFit. When people want to do CrossFit, you know, they want high intensity um, exercises, very fast paced, little rest time. Um, so learning how to, you know, get people 
moving well, doing the exercises right, but in that whole kind of CrossFit mentality was a challenge. And um, I think that when I was doing it, I, I did it pretty successfully. Uh, and again, I wouldn't have been pushed to try to, um, I wouldn't have been pushed in that way in any other realm. You know, with powerlifting, it's a lot slower, a lot more instruction can be, be had. Uh, same thing with weightlifting, but uh, CrossFit brings its own set of challenges. And again, you know, because I'm putting the client first and not my own likes and passions first, right? Having to put myself second or third, third really, um, again, I'm grateful for what that taught me. Gotcha. And when we refer to kind of, you know, the, the Olympic lifts, uh, some of the gymnastics movement from CrossFit as well, I know you're working with some athletes and I know you've traveled the world as well. We can talk kind of about when you went to China and you, you went through uh, the Olympic lifts there with some coaches, but how do you translate all them big compound movements like the Olympic lifts, which are very technical lifts and translate it down to general pop clients, which is majority of people I would see, I don't know about yourself, but probably 95% of the people I see are just general populations that maybe not, never even touched the weight in their lives. And they, you may watch the documentary on Netflix and maybe Eddie Hall's documentary or maybe a the documentary. And they want to start using these big bang for your book movements. But how can you translate it to? Uh, that's a, that's a good question. Day? Yeah. And um, honestly, that's the answer to that question is really why I, sought out such high level elite level coaching in things like powerlifting and weightlifting is because at the core of both of those sports is understanding the biomechanics of a person a human body moving weight efficiently okay so if you look at it at it on a very superficial level you see very complex movements snatch clean and jerk bench press whatever um, but when you look at it deeper, you realize that what you're teaching in powerlifting is really what people, even general population, need to know as well. How to move loads efficiently, effectively, and safely. Okay. Yeah. Um, so when you, when you really break down, again, the biomechanics, the anatomy, and you become a very good powerlifting coach or a weightlifting coach, what you what many people may not realize is that you're you're actually becoming a better coach for general population so <clears throat> a lot of my general pop clients will start with me and i let them tell me their goals they want to feel better look better and, and not being in so much pain and i agree those are very good goals um but what they don't know or what they don't know what they find out later is that i all get them squatting very well i all get them pressing in some kind of manner very well and when I get them moving weights very well and they find out that they enjoy it, they enjoy the thrill of it and the, the feeling of strength of being able to control their own body, then I open the door. Hey, um, I have a powerlifting team or I have a weightlifting team. You know, would you like to, would you be interested in, in doing one of these meets, right? And now that gives them a tangible goal. They're a part of a team. It motivates their training. It takes their, everything up. But again, I'm sorry, I'm getting off kind of off track to get back to your question. Um, at the core of weightlifting and powerlifting is really good biomechanics um, in the squat, in picking things up off the floor. And I think everybody needs that. Yeah, I 100% agree. And for a lot of my listeners out there, there's going to be some trainers, some strength coaches listening. For, for the most part, it's just going to be my clients, some of the Adam Marone's clients, or just, just general pop people. So 
how can you again like if you were to give some of the people out there an intro into program design what do you think are some fundamentals that should be incorporated into programming that you think are made up and be considered especially in commercial gyms that's a good question um you know you you've done a lot of courses program design courses i've done a lot of program design courses and in hindsight i think a lot of them actually start off at more of an advanced place that really needs to be for most general population you know so most of the courses start off with things about volume and intensity and frequency exactly frequency i think for real actual general population clients real people the way I start with them is I think about fundamental movements. Again, fundamental biomechanics that everybody should probably have under their control. Being able to squat, being able to pull themselves up. Maybe not a full chin up, you know, but or maybe whatever. But maybe like a lean away, right? Like a lean, on rings or a bar. Being able to pull their body weight, do, doing a push up. Fundamental biomechanics, okay? I think about things that this person should should be able to do i think about where they are and then i what i do is a lot like olympic or you know high performance coaches do they work backwards from a main competition and they work backwards right so i think about things that this person should be able to do just as a as a living human being they should be able to do these things where they are and then i work backwards in progressions so i think that this is the main thing that people don't teach um, when dealing with general population are proper programming of progressions, right? So we okay. have a pull-up, right? And we have a person that can't even hang on to the bar. Like they literally dangle fall. down. Exactly. Like I, yeah. I get that all the time, but nobody teaches, okay, how do you get from here to here, right? Exercise yeah. selection. How do you, how do you um, ramp up the intensity? What should you be expecting to see from this client? as they move from here closer to here. Um, I, don't, I don't know that I've heard that talked about in any course. Um, I've stopped taking program design courses maybe for a few years now, but again, even when I was taking them, they all start off like, they, they, they imagine like your client is gonna be able to do all of these fundamental things pretty well, and that's just yeah. not the case most of the time, right? So like they just I expect am, to pull up a dip. Exactly, like I, I am, I am amazed and shocked sometimes at the level these people come in for training and, and the things that they can't do that I'm just like, oh my God, like you've been living alive for 30 or 40 years and you can't just do this simple thing. Like it's crazy sometimes. And, uh, but again, that's a lot of clients and I don't think that that's being hit on in program design courses is proper exercise progression prescription. Perfect. And you, like you mentioned the example of a chin up there, that's a goal that a lot of people want to achieve. And once you've got, you know, one repetition, then it's a certain amount of repetitions, body weight. And if we look at progressions to chin ups, you know, we can do weighted, we can do different grips, different widths and stuff like that. But some factors to consider when it comes to, let's say a chin up progression with general pop would be obviously body weight, how, how well it can actually grip the bar. Um, abdominal strength, core strength, or lats, and other factors like that. But could you just give the listeners an example, like uh, where you would typically start them off? At? If let's say, for instance, we've got a woman in that can't actually do a chin up, 
where the hell do you start with? Do you start with a, a grip strength exercise? Do you start with a pull down or a row? Or do you start with like an abdominal crunch? Because there's so much um, information out there or misinformation. You see, you know, banded assisted chin-ups with a green band where they're nearly hitting the roof. And then there's no crossover to actually a body weight chin-up. Right. Um, so let's say that this person can at least hang from the bar. Okay. Um, so an, an example, one thing I do with, with certain kinds of clients is a, um, a sort of superset or a triset of exercises. Okay. Um, because I'll start with the weakest exercise or the weakest link first, exhaust those muscles, they still have some energy left in these other muscle groups, so I'll work those, and then I'll work on the ones that are at the strongest. At the so end. would you so, say you, you're prioritizing the weakest link first? Exactly, because you don't want to start with the strongest one. Then you'll exhaust everything. You won't have anything. Of course. It. So that makes, that makes sense. Um, so I'll have somebody do a dead hang from a bar, 20, 10 to 20 seconds. Let's say they fall off at 13 sec- seconds, just hanging yep. there. They fall off. Okay, so then what we do is I then have them on a lean away. Uh, either rings or TRX, right? So then they can lean, they can do pulls because now they're only pulling 60 to 70% of their body weight, right? So they'll do pulls there. Um, I'll have them do slow eccentrics. Then from there, the third exercise would be something like supinated pull downs because now you can select the weight. So now you're using much, much less than their body weight, but they're still working on the same pulling muscles, your cue, you know, proper biomechanics. Um, so that would be, you know, like a one, a two, a three, for somebody. Um, and in that same workout, again, like you mentioned earlier, there are a lot of muscles in the pull-ups, there's abdominals, there's, uh, upper back muscles. So in that same workout, you would work all those other muscles. So in that workout, you're working all of the factors that go into a pull-up. You're just doing it individually because that's all they can handle at that time. Um, and over time you'll see that they can, now you can combine a one and a two together. You can do chin-ups with a hold and a slow eccentric, right? And then over time, you can combine A1 through A3 together. And now you have more room in the workout to work other muscles. So it, it kind of collapses in on itself and, and you're working and everything is kind of building together. Gotcha. And a lot of time as well, um, you'll see people become injured in the gym, whether it's wear or tear, or there could be a multitude of factors. It could be poor exercise selection. Um, maybe not uh, modifying or even looking at volume and intensity very much, or just pure, purely not uh, incorporating p- good exercise technique. So what are some factors you would consider when trying to keep your clients, your general pop clients that have never lifted weight before, injury-free? Because again, there's, uh, Owen will always say to us in the gym, there's two things that stop progress in the gym, injury and illness. So what are factors that you consider to kind of help mitigate that? Uh, to be honest, it's kind of hard. Um, I, I write everybody's program here, so I'm never worried about exercise selection because I'm the one writing it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I would say, obviously, keeping an eye on their biomechanics. I mean, you work with clients, you know, you'll teach them, turn around, and five seconds later, they've gone back to doing it the <laughs> wrong way. Uh, or two reps later, you know, they're just well, throwing. You've they're heard the term as well. Up. You know, it usually takes 10,000 repetitions to master a movement. But a lot of time when we've seen a client, they're in a 10,000 repetition deficit. Yeah, yeah. So 20,000 times just to catch yep. up. <clears throat> so um, 
you know, having a good eye on everybody training is, is, is absolutely key. You have to, um, oh, you know, here's a good one. Um, when I, I got to the point where I was on everybody's ass all the time and I was <laughs> correcting everybody and I, in my head, I thought that they were getting tired of me correcting them all the time. I was like, I'm coming off as an, as a hard ass, as an asshole. Uh, I think I'm killing everybody's energy and ruining everybody's workout. Um, but then I went to Russia to train with Klokov uh, for two weeks. And I was talking to everybody there. And a lot of them had been to his uh, training camps two, three, four times. And I said, well, why do you keep coming back? There are other people out there doing these things. Why don't you learn from other people? And they said, he does not accept anything other than perfect form. He's always on you. He's always correcting. And nobody else does that. They, they tell you one time or two times, and then they just let you keep making mistakes. But Klokov is always trying to get the best out of you and correct you. I was like, okay, shit. I, you know, these people are paying Klokov to be on their ass. They enjoy it. They're traveling countries away to come to get this. And I realized that that's my job too. Like people are paying me to correct them. So ever since then, and I've always had this sort of, um realization that people want that correction they do and 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 since since learning that lesson in russia and coming back to it my ears have been more open to receiving uh the affirmation that people do want that right people want to be corrected every time when they want to be accountable. you tell exactly when you tell somebody to do something right and like i said you turn around and you turn back around and they're doing it wrong they're not doing it wrong because they're lazy or they're, or they're doing it on purpose. Um, it's, it's very hard for them to control their body in the proper way. Um, and so they appreciate the fact that I'm constantly telling them and having the patience with them. Um, so I don't know if I'm answering the original question, right. But, um, just really being a stickler for that, the, the, the proper mechanics of an exercise, um, not accepting anything less other than perfect form, even from your worst clients. Right. And over yeah. time, that really does pay off with them. Um, again, I don't know if that, that, that no, that, that's perfect. Okay. So you mentioned uh, Dmitry Klokov there, but you've also spent time with Boris Chico. You've also spent time with uh, the Chinese uh, weightlifting and even Louis Simmons. But I, I listened to an interview that you did and you mentioned one thing Boris Chico said to you when he walked into your gym before the first time. And he says, yeah. Americans, they love their toys. There was yeah. a lot of variation there. Yeah. So when we go on social media right now, we see lots of videos going up where there's variations of squats, there's all these weird and wacky exercises, and a lot of time people aren't sticking to their training program. But you've spent so many time with uh, different athletes and coaches out there, and really when you're trying to get to a set goal, whether it's a specific body composition or body weight, or you want to squat a certain amount of weight, do you think um, the point like? Do you think there's too much exercise variation out there? I think that it can be very confusing, confusing for both the client who's on social media looking at yep. all this stuff, but then also the coach feeling the peer pressure from other coaches. They're doing all these exercises. Should they feel, you know, they, they feel like they should be doing things as well. So I think there's a lot of peer pressure that yeah. can <coughs> lead people to making mistakes. Um, and, you know, since the, you know, my time with Shaco and all the other coaches, I am a very firm believer that 
once you become proficient and efficient in your sport um, and with body weights, movements, and your training, the, um, the, the focus should narrow, right? You should stop using so many different variations. Mm-hmm. However, at the same time, I've also increased, you know, the number of bars and equipment that I have in my gym. I, I don't stop buying toys. And what I find is that for a well-educated coach, these things come in very handy because not everybody learns the lesson the same way. So when yeah. teaching people how to use their body or how to use their muscles for certain exercises, or when we go back and we're talking about progressions from A to B, right? Yep. Um, not everybody follows the same path. And so I find a lot of these gadgets and toys and exercise machines and, and stuff like that, they're very helpful for some clients because this one machine helps this one client feel muscles in a way that this other machine helps this other client. Um, but it doesn't work the same way for uh, if you reverse it. Um, but again, that's one of those things for a well-educated coach. Um, and you know, it's, it's a lot of gray area right there, but I guess what it comes down to are your results. Nobody can argue with results. So if you're using a lot of variations, you're using a lot of toys, but you're still getting really good competitive results. Who's to say that you're doing anything wrong. Um, but again, I think that it can lead to a lot of confusion in both clients and coaches. Um, because nobody is out there educating that, oh, I'm using this weird exercise variation for this specific reason. No, all we get is a social media post of somebody doing something crazy, but we don't get a very in-depth review of why they're using it. Like, you know, cause nobody wants to give away that information for free. So then you get a bunch of monkey see monkey do, uh, and coaches just using things with their clients and, and injury can happen or progress can stall. They're not really making any progress. Um, so again, it's just, you know, with time, I think that the coach will become better educated on learning when to use these things. Perfect. And, um, what I want to touch on as well is some of your experiences and your travels, because uh, you actually had the opportunity to travel to China and, um, learn weightlifting from the Chinese themselves. Did you go there twice? Twice. Yeah. Uh, which is really, really cool. And it's something that not a lot of people can say they did. Right. So when you went there, could you kind of tell the listeners about your experience, what exactly you saw over there? And like, I'll have some of my clients come in and go, oh, Robbie, check this out. And they'll show me some, you know, weightlifters off Instagram. And you'll see like an eight-year-old kid squatting something crazy and their technique is perfect or they're they're snatching or cleaning some crazy amount of weight. And some of my my clients who have been training with me for three, four years, I've added in some Olympic lifting variants you know, in the A series, the B series, something that is a skill-based movement just to make their training more enjoyable. And then we get into the bang for your book stuff. But they're looking at it and saying, how are these kids lifting such crazy weight? Mm-hmm. So like, just, just tell me all about your experience over to what you saw and what you've kind of taken back to your gym and translated over to your clients. Um, <clears throat> so I, I think uh, for, you know, the European audience, the, the way to relate this is soccer. So okay. for a lot of kids in poor communities and poor situations growing up, they will view soccer or football, right, as their ticket out of, out of their situation. Yeah. If they practice There's every day. A lot of money kid, in soccer. Exactly. If they practice as a kid and they can become very, very good, that could be their ticket to fame and fortune. Um, that is how those kids in China view weightlifting. 
So these coaches will go around. China is a huge country. They'll go around to different villages um, in their areas, um, go out of their way to these places where people live, and they will try to identify talents in body morphology and athletic ability <coughs> and recruit kids as young as five, six, seven, eight years old just based on you know their body shape. And what they'll do is they'll tell the parents, I believe your child has a very good success at, uh, or a very good chance at being successful in weightlifting. If you allow them to come to this school, they'll get free schooling um, and, and the chance of you know, becoming very good at their sport. Um, so that mentality that European kids have towards football you know, being their ticket to a, a, a good life is the same mentality that those kids bring to their training in the weightlifting hall. But that's not something that we are familiar with in Europe, even in America. Not at all. Because, right, because weightlifting is a hobby sport. You know, you want to become good at it because you want to become good at it. Not because, or you saw someone online do the lifts. Exactly. But the mentality isn't you're, you're not trying to train because you're trying to feed yourself or your family back home, right? So that that's level a motivator. of mentality. That, yeah, exactly. That, that, that mentality in training brings everything up to a level that you like most people can't even comprehend um so each time in china being exposed to those kids and that training mentality um and seeing that work ethic you know twice a day every day of the week um you know really kind of puts you back in your place and 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 opens your eyes to the level of training that is possible with the right mindset so you know that kind of lesson really only applies to the more competitive athletes i train um but it's a big one um, but a lot of the other lessons I took away from there, you know, yeah, again, perfect form every time. Um, they go really in depth into how to squat properly and press properly, all the accessory exercises, why do they do them, what muscles they're hitting. Um, that's something I apply to all of my clients, in general population or, or, or other. <coughs> um, but really, the, the dedication to their training, their focus is something that impacted me more than anything else. Even in myself, for my training, for my work, for everything in my life, just being exposed to that, you know, from kids, you know, 12, 13, 16-year-old girls, um, you know, more maturity in their training than most adults have in their life. It's, it's really eye-opening. So no gyms or no, no phones in the gym floor. So you're saying... Yeah, yeah, I really, I really try to. I get on people's asses when they're doing yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, even over, over there, like you see some videos being uploaded, and you know, there's no mirrors in the background. They're not recording their squats, or you know, for Instagram, all that crap. But, right. Um, yeah, and then like you, you also see some interesting exercise variations there as well. Like you know, I, I think I've seen some videos of the behind the neck chin up, or um, you see the chest supported barbell rows as well stuff like that so there's an interesting variation there but um yeah i, I wanted to move on again to an, another factor we'll, we'll talk about and you know you're working with a lot of athletes as well and you've seen top quality athletes so you're going to see a nutrition supplementation sleep and all these other practices so for myself and yourself you know we spend some with time with a, a lot of great mentors of ours at the swiss symposium serrano a lot of others and, you know, you see them working with the, the best, essentially. You see them working with top-notch athletes. And a lot of time, you know, I'm, I'm not seeing that sort of people. I'm just seeing um, general pop. So I'm looking at that information. I'm, I'm thinking, how can I simplify that information when it, when it comes down to macronutrients, supplementation? 
or like, you know, even pre-workout supplementation on how can I make it applicable, number one, and doable and even maintainable for my, my clients because I don't want to overwhelm because when, I, when the client's overwhelmed, they're less likely to do something. But what do you think are, you know, the most bang for your book training support factors? Because when someone's training, you know, no one gets strong in the gym. No one gets fitter in the gym. The gym is essentially a stimulus or a stress. You're breaking yourself down. So what other factors do you consider there? <clears throat> the, the mindset I try to impress upon all of my clients is earn coming to the gym, right? Respected, so yeah. Charles was always a big fan of impacting what a client does around the workout first. When you change a client's lifestyle, he was never a big fan of like changing everything all at once. It, you know, it was yeah. one or two things a week, give them homework and things like that. And he always liked to start around the workout first. So what are you eating before you work out? What are you taking during your workout? What are you doing after your workout? So I work on that first. Um, and then from there, again, I try to impress upon the client that they need to earn coming to the gym. So uh, I, I tell clients a good workout starts the day before. If you're working out with me at 10 o'clock in the morning, then what you're eating that for lunch that previous day and for dinner that previous day is going to impact what you're doing coming into the gym. And you're right. Like you said, you don't make progress in the gym. You're, you're, you're breaking down. You're teaching in the gym. The progress is when you recover and when you sleep. Um, so that takes care of the other end of the spectrum. So you, you, <clears throat> you start with getting them correct and consistent on what they're doing around their workout. Then you teach them that everything they do from the previous day coming into the gym is earning the workout, right? And yeah. then everything after the gym is getting them ready for the next session. So I, I try to tell people that how you finish one session is how you start the next session. So if at the end of that session, the only thing you do is you go home and sit on your ass uh, at home on the couch. That's not recovery. Nothing, right? You're not prepping for that next session. Yeah. So your next session is going to be shit. But if at the end of the session, you do a little bit of stretching, you take your protein shake, you take your supplements, you eat a very good meal for recovery, you stretch that night, you're drink, drinking plenty of water, staying hydrated, you sleep very well. Those things are going to lead into a next good session. And it builds, right? Good session, good session, good session. And, you know, you talk about that the stuff that elite athletes do isn't necessarily what general population needs to do. But in reality, the key to success in both cases is consistency. The elite athlete is consistent in a hundred things. They're more consistent. The general pop, pop, yeah, the general pop client only needs to be consistent in, say, 10 things, right? And it's being consistent in more and more things that leads the, the regular person to becoming that elite level person. So <clears throat> when you're looking at the, you know, those elite athletes that other people are working with or that you're working with, you know, don't look at what they're doing. Look at how they're being consistent with what they're doing. Look at the psychological dynamics. Look at the mind games that they play with themselves because those things translate to everybody. You know, what do they tell okay. themselves to make themselves stretch at home when they don't want to because it's boring? What do they do to make themselves drink water all the time to stay hydrated? What do they do to help themselves sleep? Um, you know, all those little things right there, those apply to everybody. Um, if you can make your general population clients consistent at the basics, at the foundations, right? They're going to see yeah. a huge amount so of So you got to create buy-in. Yes. Yeah, so people talk about, okay, what's your why? When people come to us and say, you know what, Jan, so I want to have better abs or I have six-pack abs. Well, that's, that's not a great why. Why do you want to have six-pack abs? Oh, because I want to feel healthier. Yeah. Oh, so you don't feel healthy. You feel like shit. 
Yeah. Well, that's that's a good why. Okay, you want to feel better. So it's it's knowing the client's why. And when the going gets tough, referring back to that, know why you're here. We're here to get yeah. a job done. You know? Yeah. I think, that, I think that's very important. Um, moving on, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Swiss because I, I know you're going to be speaking there uh, in yeah, October. Twice. Yeah, Ken, yeah, Ken, I'll be on the rehab panel for the low back. And then uh, Ken is doing that little 10 minute uh 10 minute speeches for everybody where they give just one thing um so like a ted talk style yeah that'll be fantastic so um for any of the listeners out there that haven't heard of the, the swiss symposium it's mostly based for trainers strength coaches therapists even doctors but it's the most beneficial um symposium or weekend i've ever been to it's incredible like for someone like myself, that's almost like a, a strength or nutrition geek. I'm walking around the event and I'm seeing people like yourself, Ed Cohen, Dr. Serrano, uh, Dr. Squaw, Fred Hatfield. I saw there. Like it's just incredible. But um, for any listeners, would you add any more information about that? No, you're right. I mean, you know, I put on seminars. In fact, this year I yeah. think I'm putting on putting on over ten seminars, both uh, here and in Colorado. Um, but like you said. I would tell anybody if they could only go to one seminar, they need to go to Swiss before they go to any of my <laughs> seminars, right? Um, it, like for the bank, I think it's three hundred dollars or something like oh, that. It's, it's, three, it's three days. It's it's a it's a million different seminars to choose from. You cannot beat the value. You cannot beat the the, the lineup of presenters. Um, well, and, essentially, you would you know, attend stuff you hear everyone's seminars in isolation. You you know you, you're speaking. Ed is speaking. John Meadows is speaking. These are all people that I would attend seminars of by myself you know and they're all yeah. in one place it's yeah it's insane. yeah it's insane uh yeah definitely have to go in fact even this year I've, i think i've convinced five of my just clients to go <laughs> yeah. um because i i keep telling them you know the information is so good and and the clients that the the clients that see the best results that i work with are the ones that take an interest in learning this stuff for themselves they they love it they they get the awesome. best results right and so those clients, I've really, I've really talked about Swiss over the past few years. And so this year, I think I have maybe four or five just clients coming. Uh, they're not even coaches or trainers. So um, that's how much I really believe in Swiss and, and think, it's, think, it, think of how great it is. Yeah, perfect. And for any listeners as well, if they're looking to find you out there on social media or even look to contact you for a consultation or anything like that, where can they find you? Five Rings Barbell on Instagram. Uh, five rings barbell and info at five rings barbell.com is an email address people can use. Um, I'll put that in the show notes as well. Sources right there. Perfect. Say it again. I'll put that all, all in the show notes as well. Oh yes. Thank you. Uh, and what else have you got going on in the next coming months? Have you got, I know you've got some oh seminars um, in the pipeline, but what else? Oh yeah. Let me look. Uh, so let's see. I've got, <clears throat> so I, I've taken over, a majority of the the work going on behind the scenes with the strength sensei company i noticed that yeah uh, right yeah so charles's daughter crystal uh and i met several months ago and she asked uh long story short she asked if i could if, if i thought there was anything they're working with worth working with and i said yes so since then i've been working with crystal and her desire you know what she wants to see her father's work what what to be done with it uh, creating the website, restoring the dojo, doing seminars. Uh, and so in, re, in, in working with the Strength Sensei company, I've uh, lined up several seminars that 
Charles was all a big fan of, right? He, he, he liked these methodologies. He was either using the methodologies. Um, so just in Colorado, we have the Eldawa method from Givoyer being taught. Yep. There is uh, Heather Pearson coming out teaching her Pearson, Pearson method. Charles, Charles was a big fan of Heather. Um, Milo Sarsev is coming out and doing a, a hypertrophy camp. The Milo Sarsev and the Dr. <coughs> the Dr. Alfredo Herrera ones are really awesome. I'm really proud of those because not only do you get the, the weekend seminar where you're training twice a day and getting lectures and learning everything, but for the next three to four months, they are your coaches. So you attend the one with either Milos or with Dr. Herrera, and then you go back home, and they are then doing online programming for the class for the next three to four months. That leads to a mock, either competition or a mock photo shoot in the case of Milos Sarsev. Um, but for the value of the course and what they typically cost for online training, you cannot beat the price. You cannot beat that level of education. And again, that goes into how I've learned um, the most with all of my experiences as well is I've gone and I said, okay, Shaco, you're going to be my coach for the next year. Uh, go and throw myself in with the Chinese athletes in China and learn firsthand. So that's what these, ex these experiences are going to do for people who attend those courses is you get to learn firsthand either from either Mark Milo Sarsev or Dr. Herrera, hypertrophy training, bodybuilding, or, you know, weightlifting. Um, so I'm really proud of those courses. Um, Let's see, the uh, kinetic chain enhancement, uh, the guy who developed it for Charles, he's back there teaching the, the course that's in Colorado. Um, Annette with uh, the posture flow, they're going to be out there teaching a sports-specific gotcha. um, uh, lineup of information uh, from their posture pro. Um, let's see, and then from on my side of things, I am, uh, I'm hosting uh, the, the, the Chinese – one of them is a, was, is a former Chinese national athlete. She just retired from the national team a few months ago. And then the other one is a, an Olympic gold medal producing coach. She produced several gold medal uh, weightlifters uh, for China. He, they are both coming uh, and doing a five-day weightlifting training camp at my place in June. That's going to be really exciting. Uh, I don't think anybody of that caliber has actually taught here in America there's no one there. I mean, like that. Yeah. So, uh, so that that's oh, that's going to be a huge thing. Um, I'm also hosting. I'm bringing uh, Dmitry Kolkov out here for a two-day training camp at my place in October. And then uh, another one may not be well known to you, uh, but the the name C.J. Cummings in weightlifting. Is, uh, uh, I'm a little bit familiar with him. A young American weightlifter. Yeah, I mean, he's a phenom. He's crushing it, right? Yeah. So I have his coach coming out here to do a, a workshop. Uh, to talk about his training methodology, methodologies and, uh, and, and philosophies as well. Am I right so, that he trained a little bit with Kendrick Ferris, is it? I am not familiar with that. I don't ever recall Ray bringing up his name. Okay. Um, so I, I'm not going to say yes or no. I just... Gotcha. Uh, let's see. I think uh, speaking at Swiss, like yep. we mentioned... Um, and then I have several courses that I'm taking just for myself over the year as well. Okay. And I'm, I'm personally curious about that. So what sort of courses are you doing to upskill yourself in the next year or so? Uh, I have my level two FST, functional okay. stretch therapy lined up. Um, I took all of the level one ART courses last year. So now this year I'm diving into the level two courses. 
for ART. Um, I have a weightlifting training camp um, being run by, there's a, a well-known American weightlifting coach named Greg Everett. His Instagram and, fit and social media stuff is Catalyst Athletic, Athletics. Yep. So he's hosting a weightlifting training camp at his place at the beginning of April. I'll be up there for. Um, I think that's it for myself because obviously I'll be at every one of those other seminars I already mentioned. So I think I have 12 or 14 seminars lined up for myself <laughs> this year. It's going to be kind of crazy. Yeah. Perfect. Well, um, Jans, I've, I've been watching all your stuff closely and something I'm going I'm to continue to watch closely because the information you're pumping out is, is amazing. And I'm, I'm excited to see uh, what information you uh, kind of pump out with the Strength Dojo as well. So that's all. Like, that's very, very exciting. But um, yeah. I, guess I'll, I'll, I guess I'll catch up with you um, at Swiss this year. Yeah. And uh, uh, the, uh, the, strength do the Dojo of Strength stuff, I'm glad you mentioned that. I just want to say <clears throat> that stuff is going to be incredible um we have a lot of people coming out from charles's past that have access to things that people have either very few people have seen or nobody's ever seen before um there have been some very exciting developments in material that we realized we have the rights to um so we're looking at doing some exciting things that were very popular that charles put out uh, revamping them and redoing them and putting them out there in some updated forms. So I want to say that the information that's being shared in the dojo is not just, is not going to be just the stuff that's been seen before. Obviously we're doing that because people, they missed that information. They wanted it. It's almost fun, fundamentals almost. Exactly. Fundamental stuff. Uh, but we have a lot of exciting new stuff that's going to be coming out in the dojo and also just for everybody on the website as well. Yeah. So looking closely as well, it's interesting because you see people from Charles's life, from from different periods of his life when he was talking about different stuff or or teaching different stuff so i think it's interesting that everyone's coming together as well and um, showing their perspective or their methods as well that they're contributing to so that's pretty cool so john right. and you know what go ahead oh i was gonna say just as charles would say success leaves clues yeah charles's life left a lot of clues he had a lot of success and that's what we're trying to do is find all of those clues by retracing his history and his life and, and getting in touch with those people and hopefully giving all of you coaches and uh, trainers out there these clues to the success that Charles had. Perfect. Jans, um, I really appreciate all the time you give me. You give me more than enough time, but I, I've personally learned a lot from you from all your stuff on social media or your videos on YouTube or even this podcast. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks, Robbie, for reaching out. I appreciate the, the thought. Okay, I'm going to let you go, so have a good day. All right, I'll see you at Swiss. See you then. Bye. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the podcast. If you did enjoy it, I would appreciate if you could get over to your social media, your Facebook, your Instagram, and do share it. Um, also, if you could head over to Apple iTunes and give me a five-star rating, I would greatly appreciate that. And on that note, I'll see everyone on the next podcast.